Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Thank you for joining us for a Tuesday edition. Hope everyone had a great weekend and uh, is uh, in the throes of having a fantastic week. 27 years ago, a country music singer named Deanna Carter released a single titled Strawberry Wine. It was a massive hit. I actually thought of that single and more particularly the album which spawned that single when the U.S. attorney in Delaware announced the charges Hunter Biden would be pleading to. And I know you're sitting there thinking, what in the world does a criminal information in Delaware have to do with Deanna Carter's song, Strawberry Wine? Well, I'll tell you, the song Strawberry Wine came from an album by the name of Did I Really Shave My Legs for This? That was the name of her album. I got to confess, I don't know a lot about shaving legs. I mean, I guess I know as much as anyone who has three sisters, a wife, and a daughter could know. I'm taking it that Deanna Carter's album title sort of captures the feeling of being underwhelmed by something. And that was the consensus in the aftermath of the Biden plea announcement. Two counts of misdemeanor failure to pay taxes on time, and then there will be a diversion of the gun charge wherein he will plead guilty to lying on the application to purchase firearm. And then it will be diverted away from, that would be a felony because you can get up to 10 years for that. I'll say for another podcast, the uh, our media's obsession with citing the maximum penalty someone can get, even though they almost never get the maximum I'll save that for another day. It is true the statutory maximum for that offense is 10 years, which means you can't get more than that. It is also true almost no one ever gets anywhere near that. But I digress. Questions remain on what has happened and what, if anything, is yet to come. Some of those questions are legitimate, and some are just the reflex of what has become daily political war. One of the things touted most about living in America is the freedom of speech, the freedom to weigh in on issues, even if you have no experience, no background, really even any knowledge. And by that, I mean your lawyer is welcome to weigh in on why your blood pressure is high or if you have a rapid heart rate or if you think you have hypoglycemia or diabetes. I mean, your lawyer, your plumber, your electrician, the golf pro, they're all welcome in this country to weigh in. Your doctor, for that matter, is welcome to weigh in on how you should plan your trust with a life estate and avoid the rule against perpetuities. 
Your preacher is welcome to tell you what's wrong with your plumbing, and your plumber is welcome to talk to you about eschatology. People have the freedom to express their opinions, and you have the freedom to ignore them. Speech may have the same constitutional worth, but it definitely does not have the same value. If someone has not spent a moment, a nanosecond, in a courtroom proving anything to anyone— Yes, it is technically true that person has the right to talk about how easy a case is. I do tend to pay more attention to those who have actually had to do it, actually gone into a courtroom and proven something to 12 people who were not able to get out of jury service and do it beyond a reasonable doubt. Color me simple-minded, but folks who have actually done it, I have a tendency to pay a little bit more attention to what they have to say. There are complicated cases in the criminal justice realm. There are sophisticated fraud schemes. There are murder prosecutions with no body. There are child sexual assault cases where the child is right on the verge of even being competent to testify, and there's no forensic evidence. There's no scientific evidence. There are some very challenging cases in the criminal realm. Uh, however, failing to pay taxes on time and lying on the application to purchase firearm would not be among them. On the tax count, you literally need a calendar and a question. So you hold up the calendar and you point to some date in or around April 15th, depending on weekends and holidays. And you simply ask the question, did you pay your taxes by this date? On the gun charge, it's also pretty simple. Did you lie on an application to purchase a firearm? However, on the gun case, it is worth noting there are very few prosecutions for possessing a gun or seeking to purchase a gun while being a habitual user of unlawful drugs. And at this point, at the risk of repeating myself, I do think it's important for you to know, you may already know this, but it, it won't hurt to hear it again. There are large categories of people who cannot lawfully possess a firearm or even a single piece of ammunition under federal law. Convicted felons cannot do so. Fugitives from justice cannot do so. Someone who has been committed to a mental institution cannot lawfully possess a firearm, ammunition, or seek to purchase one. I mean, you can seek it, but if you lie on the application, then we're right back where we are now. Someone who is not in this country lawfully is a prohibited person in terms of federal law possessing a firearm. And I don't mean like an AR-15. I mean anything that fits the definition of a firearm. Someone who has been dishonorably discharged from the military. Those are just some of the prohibitions that we have against people who suffer from one of those things I just listed, and there are others. You cannot lawfully possess, lawfully purchase a firearm or ammunition. So which one applies to Hunter Biden? There is a prohibition against those who are habitual users of controlled substances. Now, proving that someone is a convicted felon is not hard. Actually, it's harder than you might think. It involves fingerprints and certified copies of convictions, and 
you got to prove the gun traveled in interstate commerce. I mean, it, it, it's it's a little harder than what you might think, but whether or not someone has felony status is not hard. That is not a tough question. Whether or not someone has been dishonorably discharged from the military, it may be more complicated to prove, but it's not hard to find out. So, too, with not being in this country lawfully, But what about being a habitual user of unlawful control substances? How would you go about proving that? We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. The prohibition is broader than just addiction. It also includes a user of controlled substances. But, and look, I've been out of the game for a while, but I'm pretty sure marijuana was a controlled substance, federally speaking. Back in the old days when I used to do these cases. So if someone habitually uses marijuana, you're a habitual user of a controlled substance, and therefore you cannot possess a gun and you cannot try to buy a gun. It would be a 10-year felony. I say all that to say I doubt that category is prosecuted very often at all. I mean, think about it. How would you prove that someone is an addict. I mean, you can try the doctor and you're going to run into doctor-patient privilege. You can try their friends. You're going to run into a lot of silence there or else you're going to have a bunch of dopers as your witnesses, neither of which is great, by the way. Hunter Biden, however, made it easy for prosecutors. He admitted to being a user and an addict of controlled substances. What about people who do the same thing but don't make it quite so easy? They don't go on national television interviews and admit it. They don't write books. They don't have pictures of it. There's not a laptop. What about people who use controlled substances but don't seek help and don't ever admit to it? I'm not sure diversion is the right outcome. Um, I, I doubt many people would want to put an addict in prison for lying during the application to purchase a gun. I don't know that. I mean, I I was a homicide prosecutor. I, I have kind of a different threshold for who needs to be separated from society. Be that as it may, we have guidelines and they dictate whether or not somebody's got no criminal history. It's a 10-year statutory maximum. He's accepting responsibility. My guess is his guidelines would be pretty low. We won't find out because he's going through diversion, which is unusual. However, I would also say it is unusual to prosecute this particular part of that firearm statute. Except, I guess what gives me pause is the FBI and DOJ tried to put a congressman in prison for allegedly lying about a phone call he received. So you have Hunter Biden soon to be admitting that he lied on the application to purchase a firearm. You have a Republican congressman who the Bureau charged with lying about a phone call he received, even though he was never even suspected of the underlying criminality. So this is actually what makes the web so tangled. When you don't treat people fairly or the same, And Jeff Fortenberry was not treated fairly, in my judgment. The remedy for someone not being treated fairly, I don't think, is to treat others unfairly. I don't think so. 
The real story with Hunter Biden is partly the outcome, but it's mainly the process. I mean, the outcome is going to be two misdemeanor counts, a diversion of a gun case. It is eminently fair to ask, how about other folks in Delaware? Similar fact patterns, how were they handled? How about other folks in neighboring states? How about other folks in any state? How were they treated? That is eminently fair to ask, should be asked. If you want a justice system that is blind, you should make sure people who engage in similar conduct are treated similarly. I just started off by saying this is an unusual charge, charging someone under that particular part of our firearm statute. Convicted felons, that's not unusual. Happens all the time. This one being a habitual user of controlled substances, I'd be surprised how many prosecutions nationwide the department and ATF undertook under that particular provision of our firearm statute. So that's the outcome part of it, the process part of it. You should also, I think, have questions. Namely, what took so long? If you were incredibly thorough and slow-moving and dare I say lazy, it might take five weeks to make a tax and gun case under these particular statutes. So if you're the president's son and it takes closer to five years, why? Were more serious charges contemplated, investigated, considered, rejected? Or was this case charged as seriously as the facts would allow? In other words, was Hunter Biden, Biden treated better, worse, or the same as anyone else who faced similar charges? Did law enforcement interview Hunter Biden in connection with either of these charges? Makes it pretty easy when you interview him and they admit it. I don't know whether he was interviewed or not. Did he cooperate? Was he asked for an interview and rejected one? It's certainly his constitutional right to do so, but you're entitled to know that. If he was interviewed, was he asked about other matters? Those are all eminently fair questions for you and Congress to ask. And now that those cases are seemingly over, there is no reason in the world for the FBI or the U.S. Attorney's Office to not answer the questions. I mean, look, I've given up hope that the media might actually provide any scrutiny over people they like. I mean, I've just I've abandoned hope. But in a perfect world, the D.C. media, once they got through writing all the hit pieces they want to write on Casey DeSantis, the D.C. media could, in theory, go look. I mean, God knows they have a lot of leaks at DOJ and FBI that they give information to the to the D.C. media. What all happened here? What took so long? Did you interview him? Did you ask to interview him? What did you ask during the interview? Has everyone else been treated this way? Did it take five years with everyone else? I think I already know the answer to that question. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. But here's the most important question. What now? Is this, as Hunter Biden's lawyer claims, the end? Is it the end? Is everything resolved? Or are there other investigations into Hunter Biden? I mean, it took five years to bring something as simple as whether someone paid his or her taxes on time. How long does it take to investigate allegations of bribery, influence peddling, tax avoidance? 
I don't know if I got another five years in me. I mean, at this rate, one of y'all is going to have to call me or email me or text me because I'll be playing backgammon at Trembling Hills Nursing Home by the time DOJ and the Bureau wrap this up at this rate. Someone famous once said, justice delayed is justice denied. I have no idea what the facts are. Don't know. Not supposed to know. Don't know. But I do know this. Facts are important. I mean, it should not take five years to figure them out. Once DOJ and the FBI admit something is over, it is fair game for Congress to look into it. When DOJ and the FBI play games and keep something alive solely to avoid being asked about it so they can say, well, this is an ongoing investigation. We can't talk about it. Well, for how long are you going to let it be an ongoing investigation like until the continents separate again until the statute of limitations runs until the next general election. How long is the ongoing investigation going to be? I mean, his lawyer says it's over. So if it's over, it's not ongoing. And I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but if something's over, then, it, then it's not ongoing in Congress. And therefore, you have a right to ask about it. I'm just saying this. Whatever you're going to do, do it fairly. Do it effectively, do it factually, but do it. It takes five years on something that could be done in five weeks. People have a right to be suspicious. Are there any more investigations? Are there facts that warrant any more investigations? And this old you know, ruse of saying we can't talk because it's an ongoing investigation. I can tell you the FBI and DOJ have absolutely lost that little safety blanket. Little safety blanket of saying we can't, we have a strict policy against commenting on ongoing investigations. Well, <laughs> you have a strict policy against answering Congress's questions about it, but you have a lot of leaks to the New York Times and Washington Post and Politico. So you must not have an ongoing policy. You just have an ongoing policy against like answering questions for the one entity that created you and funds you. And I am hoping that the committees of jurisdiction, and I'm sure that they will try. They'd be nice. They got a little bit of help, a little bit of help. If there are people still interested in making sure the same rules apply to everybody equally, then find out what's going on. Do it fairly. Do it effectively. Do it factually. But do it. I'll see you next week. Listen ad-free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 